0: Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of First Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter number three. 1 Corinthians, chapter number three, and we're continuing on in our series we started last week, questioning questionable things. And you know, there's certain sermon series that pastors have fun with, and uh, uh, this one is something that I believe it's I enjoy preaching about because I think these are things that sometimes we ask at times, or maybe we get asked, and Maybe we have some answers, but ever, had, ever given an answer to someone, they begin to poke holes in your answer a little bit, and uh, you begin to think, well, you know, I, I know it's wrong, but, but why? And that's what the purpose of the series is, questioning questionable things. And uh, we're going to look at ownership tonight, ownership, and like, okay, what does ownership have to do with it? You'll see in just a moment. Uh, but First Corinthians chapter 3, you know, here's a question, who do we belong to? Amen. Who do we belong to? As Christians, especially, you know, we know that uh, we're, there are those that say, well, I belong to myself, you know, I am belong to myself, I don't belong to anybody, I evolved from some cosmic goo somewhere, I belong to myself, you know, that, that, that's what I believe. Okay, but do we believe that? Of course, 1 Corinthians 3, we're going to look at tonight, shows us that uh, we don't belong to ourselves, we belong to God, especially for Christians. You know, another question, well, do we belong to our spouse in a certain aspect? Yes, we do, but not in the full sense of what God is speaking of in 1 Corinthians 3. Or do we belong to God? You know, all these are valid questions. When we look at the issue of ownership, when we look at our lives and we look at the decisions we make, what we allow ourselves to be involved in, uh, and even how what we communicate Uh how does one show who they belong to is another question that I think that's more along the lines of what we're going on down tonight. So how do we show that? You know, when uh, you go and who owns this house? You go and look at the deed to the house. Who's on that deed and whoever's on that deed, they own that house. It communicates ownership. Uh, and when we see, look at different people, you know, you look at sports teams, right? And they wear a particular jersey. Why? They are owned by by that team, and they play for that team. And you know what? If they don't play right for that team or don't play well, they're no longer going to be a part of that team, right? That's very clearly communicated. What they're wearing is communicating who they belong to. Well, there are various forms of communication, and one of them is how we adorn our bodies. And that is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Tonight, we're going to look at one form of that communication, and there's many of those, how we dress, how we style things, what fashions we go after. We're not going to be going into this, that tonight, but one form of that communication is that of tattoos. And so, we're going to be looking at that tonight, and some people might say, well, preacher, you know... I don't need to hear about this because, you know, I just know it's wrong. I don't want it. I don't have any desire to get one. I just, it's wrong. I've heard it's wrong. A preacher said it somewhere a long time ago. You know, it's wrong. Great. But do you know why? Because if you don't know why, when someone asks you that question, because you're going to be asked that question, especially in our culture today, what's your answer going to be? What's your answer going to be? I hope that we have the answers tonight, and that's the purpose of this, uh, because God actually gives instructions regarding that specifically, and also not only that, but some very important overarching principles. But we're in 1 Corinthians 3. Let's turn over there. We're going to begin in verse number 16, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. If we could stand together out of respect for the ring of the Word of God tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16-23. through I'm going to move through some things kind of quick. I'm going to try and get done on time tonight, 10 till I'm going to try. But before we go there, don't forget uh, Children's Worker Meeting, Sunday evening, 5.30. Uh, and we're going through the devotional life of the Sunday school teacher. I know not everybody has this book. Uh, but for those of you that do, it's chapters five and six. We're doing two chapters this time because we got a little behind. So chapters 5 and 6, so if you need that, I'll remind you about that again, I'll text that out, but chapters 5 and 6, we did chapter 4 twice, must be because we needed it, Uh, but 5 and 6, and we're going to do two chapters till the end, there's nine chapters, we have two more meetings, we're going to get that caught up. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 16, "'Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you?' If a man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temples ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain." Therefore, let no man glory in man, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So who do we belong to tonight? We belong to Christ because we are bought with his precious blood. And so tonight, the question is, do we have the right and liberty to upon our bodies that communicate something, perhaps, that is not in line with what God is wanting us to communicate. Let's ask those questions tonight, but let's pray and ask God's blessing tonight. Dear Father, I pray that you would bless our time together in your word, and I pray that you would bless this topic, Lord, and maybe this is cut and dried for some people, <coughs> but Lord, maybe for some it isn't. Maybe some never heard teaching on this before, but Lord, I pray we just take your word and just be honest about it. And we be open about it, Lord, and that we not be antagonistic and nasty, Lord, for it is something that affects many people, Lord, but that we would simply have the knowledge and know how to lovingly communicate that to people. I pray your blessing tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and I pray that you would give me the wisdom of words to say tonight. We dedicate this time to you, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So remember, last week we established three basic questions. Three basic questions, and every single message here on out, uh, the three points are going to be these three questions. Now, the first being, now let's ask this, who remembers what one, doesn't have to be in order, what one of those questions was? You don't have to be word for word, but gen, the general idea, anybody remember what I, what I preached on last week? Three questions, anybody remember? Correct, very good, that's the first one. Can this be interpreted as evil? What's the second one? That's right. Catherine's taking notes over there. Anybody else for number three? Or is Catherine going to go three for three? Go for it, Catherine. Absolutely right. Praise the Lord for that. That's why we take notes. Uh, so uh, every message for the rest of the series will be split into three points with these three questions. Okay? So that's where we're going to go tonight. Number one, can tattoos be interpreted as evil. So that's point number one tonight. Can they be interpreted can tattoos be interpreted as evil? I think the short answer to that in a very simple sense is yes they can. Okay, sermon's over, preacher. Yes, can they be interpreted that way? Yes. But we look at that and we sometimes like to just give it that very simple. Very oh yes, it can be interpreted that way. So over and done. Well what about tattoos that have Bible verses? Maybe they've been King James. Uh, maybe they're in remembrance of people, so can they be interpreted as evil? Let's ask that question. So let's dig into this a little bit. Everything we do as Christians should be done for God's glory. We've established that, amen. Everything we do, whatever we say, whatever we do, whatever we drink, ought to be done for God's glory. Now let's, let's look at what the Bible says in regards to making intentional physical marks on your body. This can be done by intentional scarring to make a pattern or design. There's still tribes around the world that do that. Uh, And also, this can be done by injecting of dye into your skin with a needle to create a permanent tattoo. And this is done, and we're going to look at this here in just a minute, but let's look at Leviticus 19 and verse 28. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 28. Uh, So we see an instruction in the law of God. And it's like, okay, preacher, already, You know what? I'm just turning you off. That's Old Testament. Old Testament still goes. Amen. Uh, especially when it comes to things like this. Uh, so we look at this, there was a reason God did not want, I'm going to explain this a little bit more, uh, maybe there's some things you didn't know about this, about the history of tattoos. Uh, but tattooing really traces it back, it can be traced back to ancient Egypt, all the way back to 4000 BC, and before that, into the area of Sumeria and you know, Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham's time. So it is an ancient tradition. So this is the context here of Leviticus 1928, okay? The context is in that part of the world, is in that culture, what was the purpose of tattoos? What are the purpose in that part of the world with the Bedouins and the Berber people? To this day, what is the purpose of those tattoos? And we're going to look at that here in just a moment. But Leviticus 1928, is very specific, Ye shall not, okay, negative command. Don't do this. Make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. Comma. So here it is. Don't make cuttings in your flesh for the dead. Pagan rituals of cutting, of bloodletting, lancing yourself. We see that on uh, Mount Carmel with Elijah. So we see that that's what the prophets of Baal did. We'll see that in just a moment in 1 Kings 18. But then there's comma. Nor, now this is not, you can interpret this as for the dead, but also this is a separate thought. That this is just period, not just for the dead, but period, don't do this. Nor print any marks upon you, I am the Lord. Okay, we look at this, uh, and so was in uh, this particular type of printing any mark? We'll get into the words here in a moment. Uh, was and is still common in Arabia to this day, and specifically specific patterns. So let me draw your attention to a few images tonight. So image number one, Gabby, please. So right here is a bit of a a legend, if you will, or a guide of the different marks. So you're about to see some of these different marks on uh, different people. Mainly, these marks are made on the faces of women. As tattoos on their on their faces, maybe you see National Geographic about it or something. Uh, but uh, it is by, especially by the Berber people and the Bedouins. To this day, they do this. Uh, so we see over here in the top left, the lion's paw, a symbol of strength. You know, cla- claws are symbol of protection. Uh, you know, the bottom right is the finger, a protective symbol. Uh, The one in the middle on the left is the eye, a symbol of protection against the evil eye. The cross in the middle deflects evil in four directions. Okay, so the purpose of these as you're reading this, the purpose of these are as a talisman to ward off evil spirits. That's why they have these tattoos on them. Uh, Some of them is also to communicate Uh, clan affiliation, especially you go into Southeast Asia and the islands they did that. Uh, But many times, almost always, even in ancient times, the Egyptians did this for the purpose of being a talisman to, it's not a fashion, but it had a spiritual element to it. So let's go to picture number two. So second, this is an Algerian woman who we see has these patterns tattooed on her face. Okay, especially the ones on her cheek, uh, forehead, and on her chin. These are somewhat, they consider them decorative, but they have a purpose to them. Uh, They communicate whether a woman is married, whether a woman has children. Okay, Uh, let's go to the the, uh, third one, please. You notice with this woman that she has a tattoo, a dot on the end of her nose. So that means one of two things, either she's married or she has had a child die, and that is a remembrance for the dead. That's what the dot on the end of her nose is for. And so that these tell the story of her life. As they get older and have different um, times in their life where they get married, they get a different tattoo on their face, and it tells the story of their life. Okay, so let's go back to the slide, let's go back to uh, point number one. So... The purpose here, and also men would have tattoos as well, but definitely not as, as elaborate. Uh, the purpose is a, in this sense, what we just saw as a pagan purpose. To be a talisman to ward off evil spirits. Also to show clan affiliation. So, this is in line with what's being spoken of in Leviticus, 18, Leviticus 19. That's what's being spoken of, okay? So, I'll give you a little history here. This was the culture of the time period, and the culture is still the same way today, thousands of years later, okay? The meaning may change some, but the general principles apply. Uh, then we talk about bloodletting in First Kings eighteen twenty eight. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. This was part of Baal worship in many pagan religions around the world—Druids and others, any part of the world. Bloodletting, even Hindus do this uh, to uh, impress the gods, basically, and as a pagan practice. So it's like, okay, we know we're not supposed to do that, but what about the printing? Because we look at this, nor print any marks upon you. Now, this is very, very interesting. When we see printing marks, I was like, well, that's a general term. You know, what's the word for that? We go into the Hebrew. Two unique words in the Hebrew that never show up anywhere else in the Bible except in this place. So, you know, when that happens, God's trying to say something extremely specific. So, what does the word print mean? It's it's the Hebrew word, kathabeth. And it simply means to write permanently, to mark yourself with printing permanently. That is what the word means. It's the only time it's used in the Bible. And then the second, the word for cut, or sorry, the word for print, then, um, let's see, where's the verse here, sorry, print mark. So the word mark, there, marks upon you. Uh, It is the word, I'll try and say it. Ka, ah, ka or something like that. It's a, it's a Hebrew word. Only use this time, and you know what it literally means? It means incision, or to gash. So what it's saying is to print a mark by putting something under your skin to permanently mark yourself is forbidden, anywhere on your body. That simple. Okay, preacher, we're done with the sermon. It's all over. Right? That's, God says don't do it. It was because of the association with it, which we're going to get to in a minute. So what is being said? Not to mark yourself permanently by inserting a dying agent under your skin. It is plain disobedience to the Scriptures. <coughs> First John 3, 4 says this, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. This is the law of God. God's law, nowhere in the New Testament does it show that this changed. What we do see is that the diet, we do, what do we see change in the New Testament? That the sacrificial system was no longer needed because Messiah gave himself a sacrifice, no longer, the sacrificial system was no longer needed. Second, the dietary restrictions with uh, Peter. We see the vision that those were lifted by who? Jesus himself. He communicated that those were no longer in play. And then following the law for salvation, that was never the way, but that was also very clearly stated that you don't have to follow the law in the sense of the traditional Jewish sense to be a Christian. But in the sense of these things, thou shalt not, we go through a list of things, we go to Leviticus 19, there are other things there that obviously if we say, well, you know what, I think this should be allowed, you know, I, I don't see a problem with this, it's Old Testament, well, let's, let's see what's in Leviticus 19, let's see if that holds any water. So, these are laws concerning personal conduct and also righteousness in dealings, uh, and uh, we see that. Uh, verse number, I had it, 28. So going down, so these are various laws. So we see uh, personal conduct. You shall feel every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. Verse 3, we go down. Uh, you shall not make any cuttings upon your flesh. Verse 29, do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore, lest the land be full of to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. (coughs) Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. So should we get rid of, should we be going to seances and things like that because it's Old Testament? Oh, we can do that. No. Obvious things, we can't do away with any of that, can we? So it's an instruction that God has given verse John 3 he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. So as Christians, is this something that, uh, can this be interpreted as evil? I think we can look at that and say, yes, it can be interpreted that way. What about question number two? What are tattoos associated with? Now, associations are a little bit different. Um, they can be associated with many different things. Well, let's look in our culture, for example. Uh, You know, one of the main things that was communicated, this is becoming less so, uh, but that what happens when you want to rebel against your parents, you go run out, sneak out with your friends and get a tattoo, right? Uh, That's when culturally, that's what's been communicated. Uh, That is not as much anymore today as more art uh, and style, and uh, really, you know, I, I've seen people, you know, they have whole arms full of color tattoos, do all kinds of colors and, and different things like that, and they really think it makes them look good and attractive to some people, I guess it is. But that's considered art. Um, you know, some people, it's a pride thing. They love having people look at them, and so they want to have the most flamboyant tattoos they can so people can look at them. Uh, some people have them for as a remembrance for a relationship. For a loved one that has passed on, or that you know, I love my mom. You know, that was you know kind of the you know sailors getting you know I love mom. You know, have that on their shoulder and different things. Uh, some people some people do it for beauty, uh, to draw attention to oneself, to express their views. Right? Some people do that. They have like a couple of phrases on there, sometimes vulgar phrases, to express how they view life. Um, some also do it to simply to identify with Satan and demons. Ever seen people tattooed with the the We can star and different things like that on purpose. uh, Many of these criminals, uh, that especially when you look at MS-13 and stuff, they are tattooed with all kinds of demonic symbols on purpose. Uh, And also to show gang affiliations. We can go on and on. There's all kinds of things that can be associated with, but the main one is, it is something that really all through history, uh, it is a form of identification. You are showing ownership to someone else, or that you belong to a certain group, uh, people do it to when they belong to a specific club or biker, or even fraternities. You know, they put the Greek letters on there as a tattoo. Sometimes, even as an initiation. But really, to go so far, it is showing that I have the guts to do it. I have the guts to go do this. I have the fortitude. I am as serious about this. Uh, you know, oh, I hope that we'd be that serious about serving God. But that's really what it boils down to. In other cultures, it's associated with demonic spiritual rites. There are actually there are some priestly castes that they get tattoos of certain religious symbols as they progress in their training and this uh, to demo- for demonic purposes to get in uh, to help them align their bodies with the spiritual realm so they're more open to it. Um, a talisman, as we looked at already, to ward off evil spirits, to show pride in one's tribe and identification, to show status in society. to show ownership if you're a slave. You know, that's what the Nazis did. They tattooed numbers on their arms of the Jews to show who owned them and who was in control of them. They were just a number. So there's a clear and overwhelming association, mountain of association with ungodly and evil practices. Overwhelming here. But here's the classic question. But that's not why I get one right? That's not why I get one. So those things don't apply to me. Well, here it is. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 then. let's go to Ephesians chapter five. <clears throat> and this is where we get little we can get sticky here. so be careful how you go about this. Let's just be simply this here. We're talking about something questionable. We already know what the, what the Bible says. We already know that it's just a very clear forbid. Well, there's only one verse. Well, I'm sorry, is one, isn't one verse enough? God's, don't do it. That's it. And can I tell you this? majority of people, they did a study that over 80% of people later in life regret getting a tattoo. They wish they could take it off. Actually, VA, a lot of soldiers get tattoos. I actually know they have regulations about it. They loosen some of those up. Uh, but actually, the VA pays for tattoo removal uh, because people, for professional reasons, they can't get a job because they have they want to go in a certain field, okay? Uh, they want to go into, a, especially, a professional field. And some of those, a lot of these companies have certain appearance requirements. You can't have tattoos all over you. And so they have to have them removed, and they, oh man, I regret this. And many times they go, either they do it on a dare or they do it to be the big man or the big, or the the brave lady. A lot of women. Here's the big thing: is that a lot of women get tattoos. Uh, it's not just men. Many times associated with men, but over in the Middle East, especially, more women have tattoos than men, uh, because it's a status and a communication. Uh, So Ephesians chapter 5, I'll get over there, Ephesians 5. I'm actually, I'm proud of myself. I'm moving forward tonight. I'm almost uh, to my third point. uh, I'm almost there. I say that, but I better not get sidetracked. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For we were sometimes in darkness, but now are ye the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Hint, Sunday night sermons about this. Uh, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Have no fellowship. Here it is, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's clear, isn't it? Let's not even get associated with these things. Let's not fellowship with these things. Let's get get around these things. Because, yeah, maybe your motive is a good motive. First of all, God said don't do it. That should be enough for us. But second, if we go on the association front, there's not good associations here. There's not good associations. That brings us to the most important question, number three. Say the best for last. Am I confident that tattoos bring, that this tattoo, that a tattoo brings glory to God? Am I confident about that? We talked about conscience last week. Uh, Remember, whatever we do, we are to do, needs to be done with confidence that it pleases God. Can I tell you something? You know what's so frustrating to me? Uh, There's this guy. Uh, online. Uh, He's an apologist, and he talks to people. He especially does a, a great job talking to Mormons about the gospel. Unfortunately, number one, for one strike against him, he's reformed. He's a reformed Baptist. So he believes in a bit of Calvinism, but he never mentions that in his gospel presentations. But this guy is brilliant. This guy is smart, and he's really good at doing that. But here it is, and he's also of the more open mindset. This guy has sleeve tattoos on him. And, you know, and has you know, and has all the cultural things of what millennials wear today. He's about my age. And, uh, you know, has the kind of, you know, biker beard and different things. Nothing wrong with beards, okay? Don't say that, you know, Brother John, I love your beard, man. You know, but uh, he has like the trendy one, the fad one, okay? You know what I'm talking about? And, you know, and he has the clothes and he has the ripped jeans when he goes in the house and talk to people. Doesn't look like a pastor. He doesn't want to look like one. And he has all the tattoos down his arms and all of that. And you know what? I was just like, you know, It's so frustrating because he's so good at what he says. He says it straight, but what happens? The message gets lost in those things. So, you know, but what if I'm getting a tattoo? Here it is. Here's the question. I'm getting a tattoo with a Bible verse on it. You know, it's a great verse. It's a verse that people need to see and hear to be saved. You know, this is a common argument. You know what? We need to address it. You know, a lot of times you hear sermons about this. At times, you know, preachers get up and they preach the truth, but also that they say, sometimes say things that aren't helpful. Ever heard sermons like that? I know I've done that a few times. But let's just deal with this right, right head on. Let's use an illustration, okay? It's illustration time. So that we as a church, okay, we're excited about Warriors Light Ministries. Amen? We're getting those Bibles, working on that, working on those things, let God open the doors, you know. But let's, you know, we need the money for that. Right, we need money for missions. Right, we're big mission. We love missions. Right. Well, let's uh, let's say. Well, what if we, as a church, develop the TBC Logger line of beer, beer with a divine touch? Would that be wrong? You know, it can't be wrong if our motivations right, right. All the proceeds are going to missions. We're not going to take any money from us. It. It's all going to missions. It can't be wrong, can it? I mean, people love beer. You know, Bud Light and Budweiser, they make all this, you know, beer with a divine touch. And, you know, the, kind of the teaching on alcohol is kind of a weak thing, you know, in the Old Testament, the New Testament. You know, it's kind of a, it's not, but that's what people say. But, you know, we do that. I'm like, well, absolutely that's wrong. Proverbs 28a, he that by usury, and here it is, unjust gain increaseth his substance. <coughs> He shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. Unjust gain. That's what that is. That's like putting your lot of winnings in the offering plate. God doesn't want that. <coughs> that is going to be a topic coming up here. But unjust gain. Alcohol is sinful and wrong. So it doesn't matter. It's the motivation's good. We want to see people get saved, but your, the way you go about it is wrong. The vehicle's wrong. So, therefore, it makes it unholy and unacceptable to God. He doesn't want it. It doesn't bring him glory. Here's another illustration. You know what? What if we produce, you know, we have some great people that, you know, poets and things. And, you know, if we produce music with beautiful words of the gospel, you know, we have beautiful lyrics to music, but we use Taylor Swift's music. You know, we need to reach all the Swifties for Christ, right? So that Taylor Swift, maybe even so that Taylor Swift herself will get saved. Would that be wrong? Oh, I hope so, right? (laughs) I'm in trouble here. No, no. Would that be wrong? Yes, because we're wrapping up the holy in an unholy, wretched package. So you can't justify something that God forbids because of your motivation. You can't do it. And that goes for a lot of things. It is very simple. God says not to do it. That should settle it. Amen. Its associations are evil and pagan since the practice began and is still associated with that today. It's not something of the ancient past. It's something currently that people use it for. I understand not everybody does it for that reason. But its associations are very, very strong in that area still. Its purpose is to bring attention. Here it is. To self and advertise one's status in vanity; it has its purpose. It's to communicate something. For it's not for you to see and be remember it. It's for others to see. You're communicating. So I want to communicate something. I want to be. I want people to see me. That most certainly does not bring glory to God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we have the eternal seal of the Spirit to mark our ownership. We do not have the right to misuse the temple of God to advertise what we want. We belong to Christ, we belong to Him. This goes for dress and many other things that we use to communicate our lips and our words, our social media accounts. What do we use? Are we using it for God's glory? We've answered all three questions. You know, are we convinced? I hope so. If not, you know, God needs to shine His word in your heart. But I think we're convinced that. I don't think we have an issue. No one's asked me that. No one's ever asked me. I don't think people are bold enough to ask. You know, preacher, you know, is getting a tattoo wrong. I've never been asked that question Uh, because there is a strong connotation there that it doesn't go along with God's people. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of churches that are teaching it's okay. It's okay to go along with the culture. It's okay to go along with those trends. It's okay to turn away from the preachers of the past that have preached against these things. And, you know, and some people ask, well, you know, preacher, I already have tattoos. A lot of people do. Amen. A lot of people do. And that doesn't make you a wicked heathen that no one, God, could never use. All right? I don't have any tattoos, don't worry. <laughs> but, uh, but I never. that's something that never, never uh tempted me. I never, I, I just thought, you know, every time you see it, you know, zzz, pain. I mean, that just, that wasn't me. That was not something I would love to go do. Uh, but there are some people that I know through the years and that uh, they enjoy getting tattoos, but when they got saved or not even when they got saved, they got right with God. I'm no one that came to me and he said, preacher, you know, because it didn't matter what time of year, uh, it was he always wore long sleeve shirts to church, even on work days, and it's a hundred degrees outside. He wore long sleeve shirts, and I knew I thought maybe he's trying to protect himself from the sun. I knew he had tattoos because I see him in short sleeve shirts. I know he, he had like tattoos down his arm, not all the way down, but he had a lot of them down his arms. And um, he talked to me one time. He said, "Preacher, I got a problem." I was like, "What is it? What is it?" And he goes, you know, I'm having really trouble, you know, because ever since I started coming to church, I have wear long sleeves. Most people don't know I have tattoos. But then, you know, one time I was rolling my sleeve up, wasn't thinking about it. One of the kids saw me and pointed at it. I was like, oh, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you have tattoos and things. He goes, I'm just so, so ashamed of them. You know, what do I do? And I was like, well, I said, a lot of people <laughs> have tattoos that maybe wish they didn't, but it doesn't make you that God's judgment is upon him. He had that feeling that God's judgment was upon him for some reason. I said, no. I said, you know, God forgives those things. Most people do it in ignorance. They don't know. But at the same time, when we get to those places, we all have things in our past that we wish that maybe we hadn't done or hadn't said and things, and we use those to go forward for God, not to hold us back. And that's the important thing to remember. We know God's truth. God forgives and God loves. And we just go forward. Amen. And so when someone asks that question to you, you know, hey, man, you know, what does the Bible say about it? Say, hey, this is what the Bible says. And you know what? Uh, I got one. And I wish I never did, so don't do it. You can give that testimony. You know, and I recommended for that gentleman that uh, he go to the VA and get his tattoos removed because they were able to do that and take those tattoos off. And I know he was pursuing, never know if he ever did it or not. But uh, it was just it was just so convicting to him. And the devil can use that and play in your mind. Don't let the devil do that to you. But tonight, I hope that settles that. So I've started off with an easy one. Yes, preacher, we know that's wrong. But whereas we're going to go through, we're going to get into some more I don't want to say debatable, but maybe a little bit harder to navigate some things. To know, what are they right or are they wrong in the eyes of God, in the Bible? Amen. And don't worry, I'm not going to get up here and preach anything that isn't definitive. Okay? Because there are some things that are definitive that a lot of people today say it is not definitive. The Bible doesn't really talk about that. I have some leeway. There's a gray area. You know, there's a gray area. God's word is either right or wrong. Amen. And I hope, pray that we always say it's right. <laughs> that God's words, all, God's always right. But when God says it's right, it's right. When God says it's wrong, it's wrong. I hope tonight that we get that mindset. Okay, there's some questionable things and maybe some things that this these uh, principles that we're looking at will apply to other things that we know exactly how we're to approach these areas. Let's